You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Loyalty's my favorite characteristic of God, but finding it in it is hard. It's like trying to find God. You're the only one in your camp with cheese. You pay for everything they eat. Man, that insecurity is deep. Now I ain't said no names. These are just theories if you hear me, baby. It's home. You must admit it's kind of eerie, baby. Like them chemtrails in the sky. Well, well, grand rising, everybody. Welcome to the day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday, and we got a great show for you today on this Feel Good Friday. It's definitely feeling good because my girl, Ashley McGirt, is in the building. We're going to be diving into all things Washington Therapy Fund. And it's, you know, there's some things that we actually need to be aware of for this month when we talk about suicide prevention. So I'm so glad that she's in the building, going to be giving us some tips and tricks on mental health and also, She's been busy, so I can't wait to dive in with her. But, you know, of course, you guys, this is the top of the show. So it's a great time for you to tag and share the stream. Please tag and share this stream on this amazing Feel Good Friday with those you know could benefit from a daily dose of dopeness right here on The Day with Trey. And if you can't watch us, hey, don't worry. You're not left out. We got you covered. You guys can listen to us anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Just search Converge Media Network in the day with Trey. Y'all will find me there. Of course, on Google, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, you name it, over 200 plus platforms. So I'm sure whichever one you gravitate towards, you guys can find us there. Um, well, you know, some funding just closed yesterday. We were talking about it a lot. Uh, the community, you know, uh, commercial tenant improvement fund just closed but you know washington departments uh, of commerce actually has some funding that's closing today you guys at 5 p.m uh you guys heard we had some folks come on from department of commerce and from arts washington they've dedicated their working washington grants round five 60 percent of that money has been dedicated to arts and culture businesses those who were some of the most impacted by COVID. but it's a very you know general application here. They're just asking for some specific information from you. And we heard it right here on the day with Trey that they are hoping to be able to grant everyone who applies. I mean, they were like, look, we're doing up to 30% of your gross revenue. Um, that's the maximum that you can receive. So it, the, the funds actually depend on how much you uh, actually have in terms of revenue, but they are really intentional to make this super easy. They're asking some very basic generalized questions. Um, this is uh, $70 million that's been put into this pot here, but you guys check this out at the Department of Commerce. They're round five of working Washington grants. And, you know, this is a part of federal funding coming from the the American Relief Plan Act that's been bringing a bunch of dollars into our communities across the nation to really adjust for all of the impacts that we've experienced financially due to COVID. So make sure you guys are checking that out. Um, but I- I'm going to tell you right now, I want to leave all the time I can for Miss Ashley McGurk. My sister's in the building. I'm so glad she's with us. What's up, Ashley? Hey, I'm so excited to be here on this Feel Good Friday. Yeah. And you haven't been to my new set yet, my new living room. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Welcome to my living room. Well, you know, you are are a staple here for Converge and in the Black Media Matter studios, but you're doing so many amazing things. Uh, A lot of folks now really know you through Washington Therapy Fund, so I want to tap in with you and see what's been going on. I know the summer was, you know, we're still kind of ending the summer. Lots of activities. I saw you out 
out there at the festivals. But what's going on with Washington Therapy Fund? So we have a lot going on right now. I'm super excited to announce that we are giving away $25,000 to future Black clinicians. So anyone who is interested in serving Black populations, the Black community, and is aspiring to be a social worker, a mental health therapist, LMFT, um, no matter what the category is, we are going to be giving out $25,000 in funding for back to school support, really just to help offset some of the financial stressors. It might help for some books. We don't expect $25,000 to cover your entire tuition, but we help hope that it will help take off some of the stressors that you're experiencing. Um, aside from that, this Saturday, we're actually going to be at Zaya's Walk and Run. So Zaya is an amazing human being who unfortunately succumbed to the illness of suicide. And he completed suicide at a Seattle park. And his mother has created this walk and run in his honor to spread awareness around suicide prevention and hopefully save a life so that they don't have to end up where Zaya was, where he decided to take his last breath, but ultimately using his story and his testimony to show like, hey, there is help out there. there there is support out there. So that's one of the um, upcoming things that we have. We also have brought back our fall free therapy fund. So far, um, we have 60 people who've applied who are going to be receiving free therapy services. We want to fund 40 black moms. Um, we have a special fund for youth as well, ages 13 to 25, because right now we really want to focus on black moms and the youth. And this was due in part to a special partnership with Perigee, um, as well as King County, who's helping us fund the youth right now. Oh my gosh, Ashley, so many things. So I get to reel it all back and dive into each one of these. And I want to really start here with uh, suicide prevention. You know, we are in the depths of September Suicide Prevention Month. So honestly, tell us a little bit more about some of the ways that people can get resources, because I know we did a whole special on this. Both of us have been, you know, impacted in various ways when it comes to suicide. But this is, again, I want to bring this home. This is really about mental illness. And when you talk about it as as an illness in terms of suicide, it's not just a decision somebody makes to be like, I'm done. There's a lot of different factors that lead up to that, right? Right. And now it is Suicide Prevention Awareness Month this September, but suicide happens every single day. And I want us as a community to start talking about it outside of September because it does happen so often, especially for us. And there's such a huge stigma that we don't often acknowledge it. We don't always say what it was that led the person to their death. And we keep it as a secret within our community because there's so much shame. Um, but really, so many of us feel these feelings and some of us actually act out on it. I think the numbers were like over a million people last year experienced suicidal ideation. And those were reported because maybe they were hospitalized. They called the crisis line. Speaking of which, that's one way that you can actually seek support. And there's this awesome new number. So we all know 911. There's now 988, which is utilized for crisis prevention. Um, if you're feeling suicidal, if you're you're feeling stressed, anxious, you need some support, or if 
there's a friend or a family member who's experiencing something that you don't necessarily know how to reach out, you can call 988. It's just three simple numbers and you'll be able to receive support 24 seven. And I'm so happy that this is now available to the community. Yeah, it's so important. And I think you really mentioned some really key things here in terms of for, you know, I always go back to black communities and black families. I, I know that there are people that still won't even say that some of their family members committed suicide. You'll be at the funeral and everything and they will just glaze over that. Like they don't want to at all even discuss it. And I know for my family, we uh, didn't, there were certain parts of my family that didn't do the greatest job of discussing it when my uncle decided to say, look, I I'm done. He succumbed to suicide uh, illness as you claim, you know, call it. But, you know, we didn't talk about it enough. And then a couple months later, my little cousin was like, well, I guess that's a way to do it. But there's things that we can do in our families, particularly when we experience a family member who is, you know, um, under the, the pressures of, you know, this kind of suicidal ideation, uh, isolation. This right here, uh, I think is something that we have to actually be talking about within our families because that's a form of prevention too, right? Exactly. Just checking in, asking someone, how are you doing? You know, just sitting with someone, seeing has their daily routine changed? Um, are the things that they were interested in no longer of interest to them? Are they starting to isolate? And I know we were in this period of isolation, but now we're coming out, you know, social distance, all that stuff is kind of at an ease right now, hopefully. Um, but just paying attention to how those family members now come back through this pandemic. Are they still isolating? Are they, did they used to come to family functions? They're not coming to family functions anymore, not responding to text. Are they posting things on social media that's kind of ex showing signs that they might be depressed or that they want to harm themselves? So just reaching out, you know, as simple as, hey, how are you feeling? What's going on? Sharing your own mental health journey, because oftentimes we all experience these things and we don't have conversations with one another. Yeah, it's so true. And I think uh, when you talk about the shame, Ashley, honestly, I think that's such a key point here. Uh, you know, and you are right. We need to be talking about this outside of September. But I'm glad that, you know, toward the, the beginning of the month, we're actually having this conversation here on The Day with Trey because it is something that oftentimes is just we, we carry that shame. I may not want to share with you because now how are you going to look at me? So there's these societal stigmas that surround suicide that actually are allowing it to persist the way that it is because we're not dealing with the real heart of the issue here. And oftentimes there's a layer of vulnerability that people experience when they say, man, I was, you know, I was in a dark place right then, you know, and it's hard to sometimes describe that to someone else who may just be healed because you're sharing that experience. I mean, what are some of the ways that you tell people to kind of break through that layer of shame that exists here when it comes to suicide? Well, one, just normalizing it, because again, we all experience it. We all have instances where, you know, you may not feel like you want to be here today. Does that mean you want to act out on actually completing suicide, harming yourself? No, but we've all experienced some sort of sadness or grief or depression. So recognizing that emotion and knowing 
what it felt like when you experienced that so that it can help you be vulnerable and more empathetic to other other people, your family members, your friends, things of that nature. And also just forgiving yourself, mm -hmm. because we talk about how in the black community, we don't want to acknowledge when someone in our community has completed suicide. And oftentimes it's because we have guilt within our own selves. Like maybe there was something we could have done, like we didn't reach out enough. Um, so we're holding on to that internal guilt and shame for not knowing, not recognizing the signs. And while 90% of individuals do show signs and symptoms, there is that 10% who actually are high functioning. They're going around and you would never know. So you have to give yourself grace and forgive yourself for the things that you may be holding on and, and be comfortable having these conversations. Like, yes, this did happen to my uncle. This did happen to my brother or whoever the case may be, a friend, someone that I know. And there was a period um, recently where there were a lot of celebrities who were like jumping mm -hmm. off buildings. Just recently, the Bed Bath & Beyond CEO, he actually completed suicide Um right when he was having to let several individuals off because of the issues at Bed Bath & Beyond. And that's another thing we have to talk about, all the layoffs, the amount of pressure that that has on leaders who have to let people go or cut hours, the depression that they're feeling and not getting the help that they need to process through that. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about a wide variety of factors here that really take a key uh, um, placement in, you know, somebody's ideas of, this is maybe the only way for me to have that sense of relief. And I think, you know, for me, I realized that you know, when we talk about normalizing it, it starts here. It starts with discussing it. It starts with bringing it out into the public and not, you know, dealing with this in silos and in closed door situations. Yes, you know, this is a private thing, but at the same time, you know, so many more people can be healed when we are having these kind of major discourses around this topic here. And, you know, we're talking about the fact that in the last two years, I think we've just experienced so much as a society with COVID, uh, the, the ideas of us, you know, trying to find those sense of normalcies, the things that we were so used to and accustomed to. I know that has played a major role in some of these numbers growing because people have been like, man, what do you mean? Like, I can't be with people like I'm a social butterfly. I'm That's how I feed my own self. Like, I'm, you know, I, I'm connected to people. We saw a lot of that, too, during this pandemic. Yeah. And I actually just saw some of the numbers that came out from the height of the pandemic. So in 2020, actually, the number of suicides increased for people of color, especially black folks during the pandemic. And we know that people of color, especially the black community, was disproportionately impacted by COVID. You know, we were on the front lines. We were essential workers. A lot of us lived in um, multi-generational households and had to deal with that stress of going out in the public, trying to work, losing a job, potentially putting a family member at risk, all of those things. I think about my own family and my baby brother who lives um, with my stepfather who has chronic heart failure. Mm. And so he had to grapple with, does he go out because he was an essential worker and potentially put his own father at risk who was um, at high risk at the time? And that's just one case. There's 
so many people who experienced that and had no outlet. They didn't know um, who to reach out to. There was maybe a lack of financial support for therapy, which is why I started the Therapy Fund Foundation during the pandemic so that individuals who didn't have insurance um, or were working with a therapist who maybe didn't accept insurance, all of these different factors was able to get the support that they needed during this time. Yeah, it's so important. And I just appreciate the fact that you did see the need. It's a huge need, Ashley. And I know that, you know, you and your team at Washington Therapy Fund is working really hard uh, to make sure that these services are out there to the community. And we're going to dive into all the ways y'all are doing that. Again, as I said, I saw you guys out there. You guys are tabling. You guys are making sure people know about these. We're going to dive into all of the things going on with Washington Therapy Fund right after this short break. You guys stay tuned. You guys do not want to miss as we learn more about Washington Therapy Fund. You're watching The David Trey. Baseball is a beautiful game, especially when played in community. Earlier this summer, Baseball Beyond Borders took a powerful, eye-opening journey through the heart of the South, which included baseball, civil rights, and reconciliation. Our young kings hosted a baseball clinic at Jackson State University in Jackson, Mississippi, and hit the road to Montgomery, Alabama, by way of the historic Edmund Pettus Bridge, to visit the Equal Justice Initiative Museum and Memorial all in an effort to ground our kings in their history and find serenity in the sport they love to preserve the cultural legacy. Join Baseball Beyond Borders on September 27th for the premiere of our film, Reconciliation Tour, at T-Mobile Park's Alice Pavilion from 3 to 5 p.m. Hear from those on the front line as well as special guests as we elevate our promise to bring healing through play. For tickets or to donate, visit BaseballBeyond.org or check our social media platforms. Welcome back, everybody, to The Day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday, And joining me on this Feel Good Friday is my girl, Ashley McGirt with Washington Therapy Fund. What's up, Ashley? I'm just, you know, that first segment really diving into suicide, um, the illness of it. I really appreciate it. But it also really lends itself to what we need to talk about now, which is, hey, how do we find the solutions to that? Washington Therapy Fund was one of those entities where you said, you know what, as a therapist, I understand this grave need. I, I know we've shared this, but I really want people to understand why you said you had to take it up a notch in terms of you were getting a bunch of clients and right. you couldn't service them all, but you really wanted folks to have that connection when they couldn't afford it. Tell us more about how Washington Therapy Fund has been evolving since you started it. Yeah, so one of the main uh, focuses of the Therapy Fund Foundation was connecting Black folks with clinicians who were culturally responsive and really ensuring that they understood anti-racist practices, that they knew how to practice from an anti-oppressive lens. And I went to one of the top universities in, in the field, University of Washington, top 10 <laughs> in my field, and they did not teach me these things. So I had to learn additional ways to actually treat um people of color, specifically black folks outside of what the University of Washington taught me, because let's be real, that one cultural cultural competency course isn't teaching clinicians how to really be culturally responsive 
because that's what we need to be. So that's part of what we do. We do not approve every therapist. Every therapist that is on the Therapy Fund Foundation has been personally vetted, background checked by me. We make sure that they understand the impact that racism has on our mental health because this is extremely important for our community. And there are so many people who are getting their license, doing whatever they need to do to hit those boxes. And then they're going out into our community and they're causing harm. Mm -hmm. And so we want to ensure that no harm is caused by the clinicians that we put out like, hey, these are the people we want to serve our community. So that's one. Also mentoring other future black clinicians, other clinicians who are willing to serve those who have been historically excluded because there's only 0.2% of us who are black and doing this work. And the reality is there's not enough of us to go around. Um, and some of us are deterred by the cost of tuition, which is why we're offering our back to school fundraiser to help offset some of the those costs. Um, but really, it just goes back to training and education and ensuring that people understand the practices. They understand these theoretical approaches that they've been taught and how to apply them on Black folks. They're make, uh, uh, ensuring that they're not misdiagnosing, overdiagnosing. Um, oftentimes, you know, I've seen black men be looked at as like psychotic because they're going, they're, they're saying rap songs and people hear them or they're in a session and they're tuned out and, and they're bouncing around and be bopping and a, a white clinician or a clinician who doesn't understand their culture, they're not connected. And then they start writing down, okay, well, they're moving around, they're fidgeting. And no, they're singing a song in their head because they don't want to talk to you right now. So they're trying to disassociate and they're using music, which is a part of their culture. And you don't understand that they're actually moving to a beat <laughs> and they're tuning you out because they don't want to talk to you because you haven't built that rapport. You haven't built that trust. And, and that's the biggest part of therapy is that relationship. Um, and the other piece is also making sure that our community really understands what therapy is, because now mental health is a buzzword yeah. and we see it on TV. And the way that it's shown on TV is not the way that therapy actually works. So it's not the Eon Love Van Zandt fix my life. <laughs> and I love I love my girl, but that's not necessarily what's happening in the therapy space. So sometimes I'm seeing that people have unrealistic expectations or they're starting to process through childhood trauma and they're having nightmares, they're having distressed memories and they stop going because they didn't realize that was part of the work. And it's hard work. It's necessary work. And the clinician maybe didn't help them build a safe space or prepare them for what this journey of mental health is going to look like. And so I want people to know that, yes, you are going to bring up some hard stuff. There are going to be some hard times. You may cry, you may shed some tears, but you'll also laugh and get to those aha moments, be able to recognize your triggers. And that's really why we do what we do and why we're connecting people in the community with good, solid clinicians. You know, I just got to say this for me is is everything. I mean, when you first made the announcement, I know we knew probably before some of the public did. But when you, you know, let us know, I was like, wow, this is exactly what is needed. And I really appreciate the fact that you were like, even while I'm taking my clients, I'm going to build this fund up. I'm going to build up this foundation. I want people to understand that we have services, that there are people that understand where, where they're 
what they're going through and how to connect with them. That is so key. And I'm always referring people to, <laughs> to the therapy, but I got to tell you, I always am because I'm like, look, We've this, seen it. We, yeah. I, we're actually approving applications right now. And I seen Converge listed like three times. Yeah. So, and then I saw your name written because um, we actually have a special referral system for people who list you or Converge. If that's where they found out about us. And we prioritize those applicants to make sure they get processed faster. And you know what? Well, we appreciate it. That's what these love and partnerships are all about. Really, it is expressing the love. And I, I you know, when when I talk to other people that are in the field, you know, you talking about how you had to extend your learning to know how to provide these services in a culturally responsive way. That's also a real commitment to your, an example of your dedication to saying, no, I understand that now I have this layer of information that I get to build upon so that I am able to really be effective in my community. And I appreciate that. But also, I mean, what, what you're talking about here, when you talk about 0.2%, I mean, this means that there has to be a real connection to you I, being able to identify the right clinicians to be a part of the, the foundation. Tell us a bit about how you kind of built this like family of clinicians now that are out there to really serve our communities. Yeah, well, um, it really starts with kind of vetting. So reaching out to the different directories, me being a clinician, I knew who a lot of the therapists were. Um, a lot of people in the community talk. So I hear different things about who's doing a great job, who's not. So just having that sort of awareness. But then, you know, once you get the list, checking their licenses, making sure that they're verified, they're approved from the state of Washington to actually practice all of those things. And then we go deeper and we actually have the clinicians complete an assessment where they answer, you know, what additional training have they had on racism? Because right now, racial trauma is a hot topic. Everybody's a racial trauma expert. But I can tell you, as a person who went to a top 10 university, they did not mention <laughs> racial trauma. I mean, um, my undergrad was at Clark Atlanta, which is the HBCU. So we were talking about it there. But in graduate school, that never actually came up unless I was the one addressing it or another person of color was like, hey, well, let's talk about this. How does this impact black community members? How does this show up differently for them? Um, so, yeah, asking those questions. Where did they get their education? What are they doing to continue that education? Have they worked with black folks before? What's sort of treatment practices are they utilizing? So it's a whole assessment that they actually fill out. And then we go through and we approve them. And like I said, not everybody gets approved. So the clinicians that you see, those are the ones who we personally have verified like, hey, they're doing great work. So know that everyone on our list, I think we're at like 96 clinicians right now. They, wow. they are awesome, amazing individuals. Um, and if you're a therapist and you want to be on our list and you want to partner with us, definitely sign up because we would love to have you. We would love to support your black clients so that they can receive free therapy services. Oh my goodness. 96. What an amazing I think it's feat. like 96. <laughs> I got my administrator behind me. Right, so right. I'm like, what's the number? She's like, wait, wait, what's the You're number? To, no, this, no, sorry. <laughs> but you know what? That right there to me is uh, when we talk about impact, hun, like that's really what it's all about. And, you know, honestly, this has been such an amazing uh, relationship I've been able to build with you, not just personally, but professionally to really understand how you have dedicated dedicated so much of your experience and expertise to bring it back into community. I think we also talked before about how like, look, uh, you got some folks who are like, I'm going for the ones 
second pay. If you can't pay, oh, well, you know, whatever. I don't got, I don't got time for that. And I love the fact that you were like, wait a minute, let's figure this out. Because those who can't pay are oftentimes some that may need it the most. And the fact when we talk about under, uh, under um, represented communities, those who have been communities that have been excluded, we understand that we have to do something that's very specific for those communities. And so I love this as you're talking about, uh, you know, opening it up now and doing this partnership with Perigee. Tell us a little bit about how you're able to kind of extend the foundation into these kinds of partnerships. Yeah. So with Perigee, they gave us $100,000 to support Black moms with maternal mental health issues. And that includes things like professional development. So any clinician who's on board with us, we have a, a special fund. Um, it's a small amount right now, but we're working on getting some more to help with professional development. And also they've been willing to provide a lot of education for free because me, I can say personally, this is something that I was not taught. This is not an area that I specialize in. Trauma, that's my thing. Grief, I actually started out as a grief counselor. Um, y'all, y'all know my story, but I actually became a therapist because of my own depression that stemmed from grief from the loss of my grandmother. So that's how I started in this journey. Um, and I say all that to say, we don't necessarily know what it, um, issues about maternal mental health. So this fund allows clinicians to get that additional training so that they can support black moms in a way that maybe they weren't necessarily trained in. Um, a couple, I think it was like six months ago, we were able to offer special training for Somali mothers and for clinicians to learn how to work with that group. Wow. And we had about six or seven clinicians who actually took that up and were and participated in that training. Wow. I mean, this is exactly what, I mean, you're not only just saying hey, we're doing direct service for clients, but you're also serving the, servicing the clinicians That's and providing these opportunities. I love it. I'm a therapist. And during the pandemic, everyone was calling on us to work for free and which many of us do. I provide pro bono services all the time. I was on open path where I was providing my services for 30 to $50 to be able to reach individuals who couldn't pay, you know, a hundred plus dollars an hour for services. And that leads to burnout. Mm -hmm. A lot of us have a hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt. And I appreciate you Biden, but that $10,000 isn't doing anything for a hundred thousand dollars and especially clinicians who may make over 125,000 just a little bit but still you know you're, you're paying almost two thousand dollars a month in student loan debt so it doesn't give you a uh, much room to take on clients for free and if that's the community you want to serve someone like me when I sought out for this when I applied for University of Washington in my application it says I'm serving black people I'm serving my community so that Obviously, I, I work with white people, everyone, Hispanic, Native, but as a black woman, I was going to serve people who looks like me. Yeah. And in, in knowing that and in doing that, it can be difficult, you know, like when that population can't necessarily afford the cost of your services and then you can't pay off your student loan debt or pay your mortgage or pay your pay your bills and you don't want to go into debt trying to serve everyone. So this was a way that clinicians are taken care of. We pay them a market level rate. We pay them more than what most insurances offer. The, the reimbursement rate for insurances can be like 30 to $80. And then you still have to, um, 
send in the billing. You still have to spend an hour in session. And if you're a solo practitioner like myself, and maybe you don't have a medical biller on staff, that's about three hours of work, $30. That's $10 an hour. That's less than minimum wage. Mm. That's not okay. Yeah. Yeah, this is so important for us to understand some of the logistics behind it that you've been experiencing personally as a therapist out here. Uh, but, you know, this for me, it, it just is everything. And I'm so grateful that you saw this need. You're filling this void. You built a solid team, obviously connecting with amazing clinicians to provide these services out there. Uh, but you don't you don't stop there because you I know that you've connected with, you know, IACT over here, um, Institute of African Centered Thought. You're going to be doing something special with them. Tell us more about that. Yes. So Arisha Day, she's one of my mentors. I love her. And we are doing a five-week healing circle on Black love, Black trauma. We're going to be discussing racial trauma, how to better love yourself, how to better love your partner, how to show up in this world when this world doesn't necessarily show you that you matter mm. and processing that trauma. Because there's a layer of trauma when you go out into the world and the world doesn't show you. We don't necessarily see ourselves in the media. That's why I love what you all are doing here and bringing that representation. But I know growing up, it's very difficult finding black Barbie dolls, finding black anything, yeah. um, hearing about our history, hearing about our culture. I had to learn it from my grandmother, who was also a school teacher for 27 years. So I do the homework that the school gave me and then I have a, a separate <laughs> set of homework from Ms. Dolores. <laughs> and, you know, but I had that uplifting to be able to um, get my culture, hear my roots, learn, you know, that we are royal, that we didn't just come from enslaved populations, because hearing that does something to your soul and how you show up. Um, so just being able to instill a sense of pride. Yeah, this is so important. And, uh, you know, kudos to you for finding the time to do something like these healing circles. I have heard so much and I, I participated in one of Miss Arisha de Awadola's, you know, trainings myself because I understood that, look, as people were coming to me, I just wanted to be able to have some real language and some foundation to connect with them on some of the things that they were asking me about. And so being out here in community, it's kind of like, hey, as, as you're needed, you show up in that way, right? You yourself to be that you find out what the information and knowledge that you need to move it forward but we want to be there for our people and so I just I see you out here you're killing the game you got a lot of different things going on so if folks want to connect with you if they want to connect with the foundation look right there make sure folks know all of the ways to connect maybe they want to come to the healing circles make sure they have the info they need so when it comes to connecting with me, you can find me on most social media platforms at Therapy with Ash or my website, ashleymcgirt.com. When it comes to the Therapy Fund Foundation, we are at WA Therapy Fund on most social media platforms or therapyfundfoundation.org. And when it comes to the healing circles, we are only opening up about 10 slots. So you want to register soon um, and you can find the link to register through Eventbrite. Mm, amazing. Ashley, thank you so much for giving me some of your time today. It's always great to have you here. And I'm glad you got to be on my living room couch, girl. Be with me today. <laughs> so great to be with you. And thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness, you guys. I get to wrap up this amazing episode after this short break. Y'all stay tuned. You're watching The Day with Trey. Mm. 
Welcome back, everybody, to the day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday. What a great episode today with Miss Ashley McGirt, Mrs. Ashley McGirt. Okay, uh, put some respect on the name, but so much, uh, you know, information and insight here when it comes to therapy. What it's all about. How there are some amazing clinicians out here who are dedicating themselves to servicing our community uh, through, you know, Washington Therapy Fund. It's just an amazing thing to understand that there was a void and it's been filled. So for those of you who need these services, if you know of family members and friends, neighbors, colleagues who really need these services, make sure you guys are checking out Washington Washington Therapy Fund Foundation. What an amazing organization. But also, you know, kudos to Ashley for doing what? Seeing herself as a part of the solution. Y'all knew I was going there. I mean, the the story of what Ashley is bringing through her own experience of, you know, her grandmother dying and her finding herself in in her own mental kind of torment. She was like, nah, I got to do something about this. And she has found amazing ways, multiple ways to see herself as a part of the solution. Not only providing services for those who could not afford it, but also helping clinicians to better understand how to serve their communities while also connecting with outside entities like IACT and Miss Arisha Day Awadola to do healing circles in the community. So what I'm telling y'all to see yourself as a part of the solution, you know what? Ashley has done it in a multitude of ways. I want y'all to be inspired by her story today and make sure you guys find a way for you to see yourself as a part of the solution. Well, of course, it's Friday. So y'all know that means tomorrow. Y'all just saw the commercial Weird at Night at 10 p.m. tomorrow right here on Converge Media. They are keeping it weird. I got to participate in the trial of Dartone. It was an amazing episode. You guys are going to want to check out all the weird things they have going on in the Wanaverse. Shout out to the entire team over there. Thank y'all for what y'all doing. Uh, Appreciate it so much. Make sure you guys are checking out all of our shows here on Converge. We have a litany of shows that are bringing you amazing stories of black love, of, you know, weirdness, of culture, art. You guys, make sure you guys are tuning in with us. And for me, until Monday at 11 a.m., peace. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.